Welcome to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE supports the advancement of women in engineering and technology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and SWE's blog, All Together, at altogether.swe.org. Looking for more information and data on women in engineering? Head over to research.swe.org and review the groundbreaking research that SWE has been conducting. SWE's research efforts include reporting on women of color in engineering and how community colleges may play a role in getting more women to graduate with engineering degrees. You can also check out the annual SWE Literature Review in SWE Magazine's State of Women in Engineering issue. Hi, I'm Lisi Q, Asian Connections Affinity Group, co-lead of the Society of Women Engineers. Welcome to SWE's Diverse Podcast Series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. I'm joined today by Nora Lin, a past president, fellow, and life member of SWE. Nora earned both BS and MS degrees in physics. She has broad working experience in software engineering, systems engineering, and engineering project management. She recently retired as a chief engineer at Northrop Grumman after working in the defense industry for 35 years. Nora is now serving as an advisor to the Asian Connections AG. Thank you for joining us today, Nora. Oh, thank you, DC. Uh, it's a great pleasure to be on this podcast, and I really appreciate it to invite me to this. The Asian Connections AG is doing a series of podcasts, articles, and member highlights in celebration of Asian Pacific American Heritage Month this May. So my first question is, what is your Asian connection and cultural background? Well, um, I am a Chinese American and was born and raised in Taiwan. Um, I came from a big family with six girls and one boy. You know, in the tradition, traditional Chinese culture, boys are more important than girls. However, education was important to my parents and they worked very hard to support all their children through college education. Uh, I really thank them very much for that. And once I completed my college education in Taiwan, I came to the United States for my advanced study. That's great that you had supportive parents. Why did you decide to come to the United States? Well, you know, there's a political situation between Taiwan and uh, mainland China. So, you know, um, my father's generation always, you know, encouraged young people to go to different part of the world to escape from the potential political uh, disaster or wars, whatever. So I was always being encouraged to go out uh, looking for adventures and also for additional education. I actually have been in the United States over 40 years. And I consider myself uh, kind of westernized quite a bit through these years. However, I do believe Chinese culture and traditions are still influencing my life, thinking, my behaviors in certain ways. So I do believe I have pretty strong rooted uh, Chinese culture um, in me. Staying connected to our roots is certainly important. So let's talk about SWE. How did you first get involved with SWE? 
What was your early experience like? You know, I didn't know the existence of SWE until I had worked in the industry for many years. I joined the SWE when there was a SWE membership drive at Northrop Grumman in 1996. My first SWE experience was attending a SWE Chicago Section uh, Strategic Planning Committee meeting. I met several women engineers and the section leaders there. I had a great time and really enjoyed the conversations and the networking uh, opportunities at that event. You know, from that point, um, I knew SWE is the place to be and have not stopped my involvement since. That's amazing. Starting off so many years ago, you were able to become president of SWE in 2010. Was being the president of SWE something you were drawn to from the beginning? Wow. That's a great question. No, I I wasn't I wasn't drawn to that um, at the beginning of my sweet involvement. Um, I met, you know, after I joined SWE, I met many talented SWE leaders and actually admire their accomplishments professionally and in SWE. Um, I was drawn to be like them and to make a difference to SWE and the society without thinking about being at um, or being the SWE uh, president. I considered becoming a SWE president only when I was the director of regions uh, on the board of directors because I wanted to make an impact to SWE's leadership development and the diversity and the inclusion related programs. Um, another reason is that while I was on the board, there were not many SWE leaders at the SWE national level at all. I thought if I were the president, some Asian members might say, hey, look, if Nora can do it, I can do it too. And then they you know, may want to step up and take leadership positions. I'm uh, actually very happy to see some slight increase in diverse uh, talent and the leadership within SWE during and, and after my presidency. There certainly haven't been many Asian SWE presidents. You are definitely a role model in our community. Thank you. Did you face a particular challenge or a barrier in becoming SWE president? Again, this is a great question. For many years, I received tremendous moral and financial support from my employer, which is Northrop Grumman. In addition, many sweet leaders and friends supported me and some worked alongside uh, with me during uh, my sweet journey. With all those wonderful supports, I didn't face many challenges that couldn't be overcome prior to my presidency. Although I did have to overcome a cultural related barrier before I could have the confidence and the courage to pursue my own dreams. You know, in the traditional Chinese culture, man is the provider and wife is to support and help her husband to be success successful in his career. With that kind of thought or belief, 
When I was young, my goal was to be a housewife and to raise a family. I was a stay-at-home mom after having my first child. During the oil crisis in 1980s, the mortgage interest rate was about 16%, you know, compared to the interest rate uh, about 3% uh, at 2020, year 2020. It was a tremendous burden. So in order to, for us to have, um, um, have the ability to buy a house, I went on uh, to work for earning supplemental income. Unfortunately, due to the bad economy, my husband got laid off first, and a year later, I got laid off um, during that time. It was a devastating situation, and it took us several years to overcome the financial hardship uh, because of the, the layoffs. After that, we decided to maintain as a two-income family and treat both careers equally important. Despite the disagreement and the discouragement from families and the relatives, and during this journey, I learned two important things or lessons. First, I feel I must maintain marketable skills in order to support the family when necessary. And secondly, I realized I have to set myself free from the boundaries and the limitations set by others in order to achieve my own goals and the dreams. This realization actually allowed me to take a quantum leap in my career. As an Asian woman, I certainly feel that in addition to gender barriers, there are cultural barriers I needed to overcome in order to be successful. And I consider myself as a very blessed woman, as you know, I have a husband who supports and encourages me to pursue my interests so I can become who I am today. And by the way, my husband is a Chinese and came from Taiwan as well, you know, with, um, you know, having the same similar program, uh, similar uh, cultural background. He's willing to support me uh, in you know, all different ways through all this many years. Um, that's uh, kind of extraordinary and special. So um, I do appreciate his efforts very, very much. Thank you for sharing that story with us, Nora. You were definitely a pioneer in your family's eyes. Thank you. What were some significant changes? or events that occurred during your Sui presidency? Ah, that's a very uh, interesting question and, uh, and an important question too. Um, Sui actually faced significant financial difficulty during my presidency. As you know, I was the Sui president in uh, 2010, uh, which was actually started in July 2009 to June 2010. The U.S. economy took a downturn in 2008 and 2009. Um, 
you know, many people lost jobs and many corporations couldn't provide financial sponsorship to Sweden during this great recession period. As a result, the board had to borrow about $630,000 from the Sweden Reserve Fund in order to keep the staff and the lights on at the Sweden headquarters and to maintain our key programs for FY10. Many members grumbled um, just because you know they love Sweden, but they worried how the economy will negatively impact Sweden's future and the financial status. To control and stable, uh, to control and stabilize uh, the situation, the board and headquarters issued deep uh, budget cuts, monitored expenditures very tightly and closely and took creative ways to raise funds. In addition, you know, the board uh, started a financial, um, strategic financial planning effort, which allowed um, us to align sources of funding with programs that needed financial support better. And then we could conduct fund development uh, efforts according to this plan. Due to the complexity of Swiss finance, this development effort actually took about four or five years to complete. Um, and it was implemented uh, during uh, when Stacy DeVircchio was the Swiss president. I'm very proud that our actions led to a successful year in FY10 and paved a better financial planning path for future years. The current situation with the pandemic might be reminiscent of that time. Your leadership set the foundation for what is to come this year, potentially. You know, compared to um, financial difficulties situation in FY10, uh, there were many other challenges or changes uh, happened in in my, uh, during my presidency, and those challenges, uh, you know, seems to be much easier to overcome or implement. You know, for example, SWE transitioned its strategic body from the SWE Council of Section Representative, or we call the CSR, to current uh, Senate organization. This was a significant organizational change at the national level. And however, this change greatly reduced the size of this strategic body. As a result, Senate now can conduct its meetings and carry out its responsibilities in a much sufficient and effective manner. I'm so glad to see we had that implement um, then. You know, um, Back to the, the question you had about, you know, what a significant event happened during my turn. Um, I recall um, I attended three White House administration hosted meetings. Um, I didn't go to the, the overall, um, you know, president's overall office, but however, those meetings were held 
at the White House complex. And two of those meetings were hosted by the Department of Education with a focused discussion on how to improve the STEM education and increase growth in STEM. And the third meeting was uh, for President Obama to kick off the Educate to Innovate campaign, which um, is to raise awareness and ask the, uh, you know, all the collaboration and fundraising to help raise the standing of American students in science and the math. Um, so I was, I felt very honored to represent SWE at these meetings and was pleased to see SWE had a seat at this event and participate in those important roundtable discussions. I, I thought that it's uh, very important for SWE to be in that position because SWE, you know, as a diverse society, we have to be at the table in order for other engineers or engineering society to recognize women, women engineers are minorities, but we have important uh, presence at those important discussions to increase the visibility and the importance of women in engineering fields. It must have been very exciting to be involved in such an important discussion and to visit the White House, meet representatives, and be the face of SWE. How do you feel SWE has changed throughout the years? Well, it has been 10 years since I was the sweet president. The world has changed a lot, a lot. so did sweet. I think sweet is heading to the right direction by branding itself as a catalyst for change and the world's largest advocate for women in engineering and technology. This branding really gives a positive image regarding who SWE is and what SWE do. I like this new branding a lot. I am confident that SWE will continue to build this brand by providing valuable programs and services to its members and the stakeholders. I am pleased to see Swiss membership has grown around the globe a lot. Swiss annual conferences continue to be excellent with record-breaking attendance for the past several years. SWE has also extended its outreach effort by creating the Sweet uh, Next program. Those are all good and exciting changes to become a true catalyst for women in engineering. I would like to see SWE conduct more studies regarding the status of women in engineering and technology, uh, continue to identify issues and offer recommendations for addressing those issues. I do wish, you know, one day SWE will be the first and trusted the place for people to look for information on women in engineering and technology.
Sui is making great strides in making that a reality. Yeah, that's very true. Um, another change I would like to uh, talk about is uh, regarding Sui um, has re eliminated the regions from its organization structure recently. Um, Sui modified the composition of um, few entities such as the board, senate, nominating committee um, in support of this uh, new change. Um, you know, so Swiss sections are now primarily supported by the headquarters and the leadership coaching uh, committee. Um, Sui also replaced the region conferences with We Locals, which is now planned by uh, the Sui headquarters instead of being done by individual regions. I understand the intent of this change is to make SWE as a more efficient and effective organization. Um, SWE also want to provide consistent professional experience at the local SWE conferences. However, this is a significant change to SWE. Uh, we have to remember that SWE is a grassroots organization, and its strength is in its members. It is crucial to keep Swiss uh, sections strong and vibrant. I do hope local sections will receive strong support and the guidance from the Le Leadership Coaching Committee so that sections can continue to grow can continue to provide services and program to their members and be able to nurture um, leaders for SWE and for engineers. SWE is certainly a pioneer in that area. There is no other organization at the scale of SWE that has dissolved their regions. And I'm excited to see what changes and innovations might come from it. This year in 2020, this is the 70th anniversary of SWE. With such a long history, what do you consider your legacy in SWE to be? Well, I consider myself as an advocate for women in engineering and a person who tirelessly promotes uh, diversity and inclusion within SWE and in her company. I had been involved in leadership coaching, succession planning, and diversity and inclusion efforts in SWE for quite many years. Um, I worked closely with my management at work to recruit and retain women in engineering raise women engineers' visibility within the company and identify needs and solutions. Um, I also initiated an enterprise-wide employee resource group for women engineers within Northrop Grumman in year 2003. 
this group actually helped to increase the member, uh, the number of SWE members within the company as well as the company's presence at the SWE conference more than tenfold. And it was amazing, like in year 2003, there were, uh, we were talking about maybe 30, 40 North Grumman women engineers who attend the SWE conference. But by um, 2019, that was last year's SWE conference, Northrop actually sent more than 230 people to the SWE conference. Our current uh, SWE members within the companies uh, is also over a hundred. So that was a tremendous uh, growth, you know, both within the company and also the company's support to SWE uh, is also increased a lot. I'm just very glad to, to see, um, you know, the kind of difference I have made to SWE and to the company in these areas. I would agree that you've made incredible waves in promoting women in STEM and within SWE, but your involvement in SWE and as an advocate for women in STEM is far from over. If you could give one piece of advice to current engineers who would like to advance their career, what would it be? My advice is you know, to remember one word, that's PIE, P-I-E, PIE. To be successful, all be able to move up the leadership ranks. We have to focus on our PIE. And this PIE stands for performance, image, and exposure. Performance is the basic and most important element for a competent engineer and leader. Without the performance, you are going nowhere in your career. And that's, you know, just say it bluntly. Uh, image is your brand. It is what people think of you when they see you. Are you a responsive and accountable person? Do you project yourself with self-confidence? Are you a collab collaborative or a self-centered with narrow mind um, thinking person? So what is your brand? That's a question you need to ask yourself and build from there. The third piece is exposure. Exposure is to become visible within the company, visible to your company's leadership, and visible within your working field. This visibility needs to be cultivated through networking and sponsorship from other leaders. So once you have built your own pie, people will be willing to trust you and give you opportunities to expand your horizon. I do hope and I do wish you all have very successful career. Thank you for that acronym. I'll definitely remember PI in the future. So um, let me ask you a question. 
Sure. So how did the Asian Connections Affinity Group come to be in its present form? So the affinity groups originated with the Minority Interest Committee, which became the Multicultural Committee. This was before 2015. So in 2015, the five affinity groups that we know of were initiated in their present form on Facebook. And their goal was to provide a platform to connect, inspire, and amplify the voices of their respective communities. The Asian Connections AG was not part of the original five affinity groups. We were actually launched last August after we submitted an application for new AGs. Since August 2019, we've grown to almost 200 members. Our activities include hosting discussions on Facebook through our group and sourcing speakers, panels, and roundtables for the annual conference. And of course, we're leading the planning for Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. That's great. Thank you. I'm really impressed by our leadership team and how far we've come in these short few months. Nora, thank you again for taking the time to speak with us today. You've provided some really valuable insight to our listeners. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having this conversation with me. I appreciated your effort and uh, really wish this Asian Connection AG will continue to grow and be successful and really provide a platform for members to be able to share their experience, um, share their needs with each other. Next week, we have a podcast hosted by our own Jenny Morikawa on the experience of working mothers and the intersectionality between being Asian and being a working mother. I'm Lisi Q. From all of us at SUI, thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you.